This episode is sponsored by the Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talking Podcast. Hey Elvis fans, we have the perfect podcast for you. The Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin' Podcast was created by two lifelong best friends and Elvis fans. Get all shook up with this podcast. I listen to it while driving around in my Cadillac. Check out the Tupelo Tom and Big Lou Talkin' Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. It's the perfect podcast for all Elvis fans. <clears throat> Thank you. Thank you very much. This episode is brought to you by Knock Knock, a new novel from author Stephen Thomas. Knock Knock is a fictional crime thriller in which the main characters, Cooper and Delilah, are podcast hosts, much like Chris and I, and they're covering a notorious killer known as the Knock Knock Killer. Delilah lost her family to the killer, so she makes it her mission to solve the case. But as her and Cooper uncover evidence, they begin to receive threats. Will they solve the case or become victims themselves? Find out when Knock Knock by author Stephen Thomas is released on Amazon in early May 2023. The Midwest Crime Files is an unscripted true crimes podcast. In it, we discuss heinous crimes and how they are committed. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome to the Midwest Crime Files. I'm your host, Gina. And I'm Chris. We're here to tell you the stories of small towns and the heinous crimes that change them forever. Sorry about the little break, guys. Uh, just a one-week break. It's just a hiccup. But we're back. Yep. And this week, we have a heck of a story for you. It's called Murder for Hire, the Murder of Elizabeth DeCaro. Now, before we jump into this, we do have some new Patreon supporters, Taylor, Cheryl Lynn, um, I want to welcome you guys as well as Krissa. So thank you guys so much for being supporters of our show. Yep. Thank you guys. All right. So this story takes place in St. Charles, Missouri. So not too far from us. Nope. On the evening of March 6th, 1992, Elizabeth DeCaro was supposed to meet her sisters and friends for dinner at a local Casa Gallardo. Elizabeth was home alone in her St. Charles, Missouri home for the very first time. Her husband and kids were on vacation that weekend, so Elizabeth had instead made plans with her sister. When Elizabeth didn't show up, her sister grew concerned and went to her home to check on her. As she entered the house, she found Elizabeth lying dead in a pool of her own blood on the kitchen floor. So, a, this story is so twisted so you got to stay with me here okay because it's it there's i'll try to i'll twists. try to keep up elizabeth van is is isum isgum i don't know how to pronounce that i'm very Iskim. sorry uh was born may 28th 1963 to james and georgiana van Iskim. elizabeth was one of seven children born to the midwest couple who was residing in saint anne which is a suburb of saint louis saint charles area Elizabeth was the second youngest. She was happy, sociable, loving. In high school, she was a cheerleader and she made friends very easily. As a pretty young teenager, I think they were 14 and 15, Elizabeth met Richard Rick DeCaro. Okay. Rick and Elizabeth were high school sweethearts and as teenagers, they became parents. 
And soon after they married, I believe Elizabeth was 17 and Rick was 18 when they got married. So before they were even in their 20s, they were married with kids. Okay. Um, Rick appeared to be a pretty attentive and affectionate husband. He showered Elizabeth with gifts and they built a really nice life together. In 1992, Elizabeth was 28 years old. She was a mother to four children, and she was Rick's wife of 10 years. On Friday, March 6, 1992, Rick drove the carpool for his children as they had an early dismissal that Friday afternoon. He then packed up the kids and the family dog, Ozzy, and headed off to Lake of the Ozarks. This was the first time since becoming a father that Rick took his children for a trip without his wife. He told Elizabeth he was excited to have a daddy's weekend. That evening, Elizabeth was shot in the head execution style inside of her own home. The killer then stole the family's SUV. Your brain ticking yet? Well, I just think it's weird that the father's like, oh, I'm taking the kids. Bye. Yeah, it gets weirder. I mean, you kind of like led led with it with the title of this one. So Yeah, I know. So I, I kind of know. know where we're going. Oh, there's some twist. You just wait. Upon finding Elizabeth's body, her sister instantly told police that she believed Rick DeCaro was responsible for her sister's death. Police learned that Rick and Elizabeth had a pretty troubled relationship. From the outside, they appeared to have it all. They had this nice home in a beautiful subdivision. They had four great kids, plenty of material things. Rick wasn't like a Wall Street banker or anything. He was actually a mechanic, and he worked at a um, automotive facility that his family owned. And I think he was, like, managing, too, at the facility. But he was like self-made you know this was not somebody that went to college or you know had an ivy league degree but still the family seemed to live pretty affluently you know if this was the times of social media they'd be the ones everybody was jealous of right because their facebook pictures always look so perfect right they're this happy little family um but it really wasn't like that truthfully. Elizabeth was mostly a stay-at-home mom, but she did work at her parents' delicatessen. Um, and although it seemed like they had it all, Elizabeth wasn't really all that happy in her marriage. A few years before her death, Elizabeth became frustrated with her husband and his constant need to shower her with gifts and affection. So my guess is he just was too, it was too much. And I think maybe she could probably tell that maybe it wasn't completely genuine. Right. You know, he told, she told him to back off a little bit and this really hurt his feelings. And after that, not only did he back off a little bit, he became very withdrawn from her. And so he sought affection in the, with another woman. He started having an affair with the receptionist at the service station that he worked at. As police soon learned, Elizabeth herself had had a brief affair as well. Elizabeth was not okay with her husband's affair, though, and she demanded that he fire the receptionist and end the affair. Rick told her that he had ended the affair, but he never did fire the mistress. So, I mean, it sounds like, you know, she wanted some space. Maybe he was just too on top of her. 
And yeah. he took it the wrong way, started having an affair. At some point, she had a brief little fling, fling too. But, you know, they it, she very much wanted to work this out. Yeah. You know, and from all appearances, so did so did Rick. Elizabeth was not convinced, though, that her husband had actually stopped cheating. She enlisted her sisters to help spy on her husband. So, like, it's as, as quirky as you sound, like, or as it sounds, a bunch of 20-year-old and 30-year-old women piling in a car following one Jeez. of their husbands. Like this mystery bit machine. Right. Um, Rick was spending most of his free time working out at the Gold's Gym near his house and meeting up with his mistress. And they soon pretty much found evidence of that, that he was still cheating. Rick was obsessed with all things appearance, his own appearance, his wife's appearance, his children's appearances, and the appearance that this family was financially blessed and, and well off and established. As it turned out, though, the DeCaro family was in really deep debt. Rick had purchased a boat against his wife's wishes, pushing the family further into debt. There were more odd circumstances as well that convinced Elizabeth's sister that Rick was responsible for her death. Rick had changed since he had married Elizabeth 10 years earlier. He used to be very friendly and sociable with her family, and now he just wasn't. He was quiet around them. Her sister was not happy in the marriage, but she really did want more than anything to work it out with her husband. Elizabeth was getting worried, though, and quite frankly, afraid. She felt like Rick was hiding something. She felt like Rick was up to something, and she shared that with her sisters. It sounds like something is up. Yep. A few months before her murder... The DeCaros had their van stolen. The whole incident was pretty odd. Rick and Elizabeth had been out together when Rick suddenly was in a hurry to go home. Although the two had not been intimate in quite some time, he told his wife he wanted to make love to her. So they left and they went home and Rick parked the van in the driveway instead of the garage. And that was the first time ever he had done that. You know, you got to remember, he's all about appearances. Right. And, you know, there's subdivisions and HOAs where you can't even park in your driveway. You have to be in the garage. Right. You know, and he was that kind of person. So she found it weird that he parked in the driveway like that. And they went upstairs and spent their time together. But during the night, and actually not too terribly long after they got home, the van was stolen. It was later found in Cape Girardeau, torched. Rick filed an insurance claim, but the van was insured by the service station that he worked for and not him personally. Something smells funny. Right? Something else odd also happened just a few weeks before the murder. Rick and Elizabeth had been out again. And this time upon returning home, Elizabeth got out of the couple's vehicle and walked towards the door to the house from the inside of the garage. As she was walking to the door, suddenly their vehicle lunged forward, pushing Elizabeth into the wall. Rick then got out of the vehicle. And you would think, if since he parked in the garage, that he walked in through the door to the garage, right? Yeah, especially since like he hit his wife. Nope, he just turned around and walked and walked through the front door of the house. Didn't even bother to check on her. Jeez. 
after he just hit her and knocked with the car and knocked her into oh, the wall of Lord. the garage. Yeah, something's not right. Yeah, like that's that stinks. It smells fishy from a mile away. Yeah. Elizabeth wondered aloud to her sisters if Rick had been trying to kill her. Her fears were eased, though, when shortly after the incident, Rick was very tearful and apologetic. He said it was an accident. He was reaching for something and accidentally hit the gas pedal instead of the brake. He was sick over it and begged his wife for forgiveness. So Elizabeth accepted his apology. And a few weeks later, she was dead. The night Elizabeth died, the Van Eesgum family gathered at the hospital in sorrow. How could Elizabeth be gone? How could Rick and the kids move on without her? How could any of them move on without her? Rick and the kids, however, were not there. Police left St. Charles for Lake of the Ozarks, searching for the newly widowed husband and their children. When they finally tracked them down in the early morning hours of Saturday, police were shocked by the response. Rick seemed indifferent, not as you would expect a grieving husband to be upon learning that his wife had been brutally murdered in their kitchen. He didn't even ask how she was killed or if they knew who did it. He was just kind of like that quiet, shocked thing. He didn't shed a tear. Police told him that he needed to get the kids together and come back to St. Charles. And Rick said that he didn't want to wake the kids. Once they were awake that morning, he would tell them what happened. And he said, I'm going to ask the kids if they want to stay another day and do some fun things before we go back to St. Charles. So you just get told your wife is brutally murdered. Your kids now don't have a mom. But you want to stick around and have fun. Have a longer vacation. Like, I, who, who wants to cut vacation short just because mom's dead? Right. Like, seriously? What kind of man says something like that? Saturday morning, though, Rick did return to St. Charles with the children. Apparently, the children didn't want to go, you know, ride go-karts and play laser tag after mom had been killed. They arrived at Elizabeth's parents' home, and Rick's demeanor, and quite honestly, even that of the children. And the children were small. They were like 14 to 7. I mean, they were little kids. Right. It The... Behavior of all of them alarmed Elizabeth's family. The kids didn't really seem to be terribly upset or grieving. It was as if they really didn't realize their mom was gone forever. Right. Rick was more stoic. He almost seemed kind of numb, which, I mean, everybody responds to grief differently. So being numb can can maybe be a normal response. Right. And so they thought maybe he was in shock or maybe he just didn't care. Most of Elizabeth's family suspected Rick of being involved, but they kept pretty quiet about it at first. Elizabeth's mom, Georgiana, realized that she would have to stay on Rick's good side in order to stay involved with her grandchildren. So she stuck so close to her son-in-law that she even went on television and expressed her confidence in his innocence. Well, I would too, you know, just to make sure that... The kids are protected. Right. So police immediately suspected Rick, though, and they questioned him, but they had really not anything to go on. You know, they couldn't really prove anything, but he was still one of their number one suspects. Knowing he was under suspicion, Rick agreed to draft paperwork that would give Georgiana, Elizabeth's mom, 
custody of the children if Rick were to be arrested. Georgiana shared with her daughters that although she was pretending to be on Rick's side, she really did believe Rick was guilty. This was all a ruse to stay on his good side until that paperwork was completed so she could be sure her grandchildren would be safe after his arrest. Immediately after the murder, the St. Charles police enlisted the help of the Greater St. Louis Major Case Squad. The best detectives of the St. Louis region gathered to investigate this brutal murder in a safe neighborhood. There wasn't much forensic evidence at the scene, but soon there were witnesses that started to come forward to put the puzzle pieces together. An acquaintance of Rick's from the gym he worked out at came forward. He said he had brought his vehicle into the service station where Rick worked. He said a few months before Elizabeth's murder, Rick DeCaro asked him if he knew somebody who could steal his van. He said he didn't. He said Rick also asked him if he knew someone who he could hire as a hitman. Rick wanted to kill his wife. There's so many things wrong with that, with those sentences. Right? Like, I could never, like, how do you approach that subject? Right? Hey, person that I'm working their car on, that I'm, I know a little bit, do you know somebody that wants to get a couple, couple felonies under the belt, one of them being capital murder? Right, exactly. I mean, like, how does that... It takes some kahunas to be asking people that. Or just stupidity. Well, yeah, that too. And why didn't the guy say something whenever he asked? Apparently, he didn't really think he was serious. A co-worker came forward soon after, explaining that Rick had asked him if he knew anybody who could steal his vehicle for an insurance scam. The co-worker said that, yeah, he did. He said he introduced Rick DeCaro to his cousin. The co-worker brought his cousin, Daniel Basili, to meet with Rick DeCaro. Daniel told him later that Rick asked him to steal his vehicle for an insurance scam, and he added that the van was part of a, quote, package deal, end quote. And he said that Rick had also asked him to do another job. The second job was to kill Elizabeth DeCaro. According to the witness, Daniel Basili said he would not kill anyone, and he was only interested in stealing the van, so apparently... He told his cousin, like, I'm not going to take this package deal. I'm just going to steal the van. Rick had offered him money for the theft, which he completed in February of 92. Another witness, a former lover of Basili, testified that she brought Daniel Basili to St. Charles, identifying the DeCarroll's house as the house she drove him to. She said Basili stole the van and she followed him all the way down to rural area near Cape Girardeau where Basili torched the car. She identified the site where the van was found. She also said Daniel threw the license plate out the window and police were able to find that license plate exactly where the witness said it was going to be. So the fact that this witness was able to tell them exactly where they'd find the license plate and they found it, I mean, she was looking pretty credible. Right. So we definitely know that Daniel Basili stole the van about a month before the murder. Right. Police had enough to arrest Basili and DeCaro for insurance fraud, but not for murder yet. More witnesses came forward soon, though, adding more evidence to this case. Police put out an all-points bulletin in APB 
on the family's SUV, which had not been located yet. So if you remember, this was the second vehicle stolen from their house the night of the murder. A woman came forward and she remembered seeing the vehicle with the descript Rick Liz license plates driving on Interstate 70 the afternoon of the murder. She said she saw a man with long black hair driving and added that she was annoyed because he was driving so slow. So she gave him a dirty look and got a really good look at his face when she drove by and gave him his dirty look. Right. Because he ticked her off. She identified that man in a lineup as Daniel Basili. Another family member of Daniel Basili admitted seeing Basili and a man that he later identified as Rick DeCaro on numerous occasions. He also led the police to a garage that Basili had asked to use for a few days. He had used the garage as a chop shop and pieces of the DeCaro SUV were found inside of the garage. Well, if you didn't do it, you know who did. Right. So, yeah, you, like you can't say you're not involved right. in this, dude. More witnesses testified that Daniel Basili came into a large sum of money on the day of Elizabeth's murder. This was somebody who was an ex-con. He was a loser. He never had any money. And all of a sudden he had bills and was throwing it around like he was rich. Yeah. A week after the murder of Elizabeth DeCaro, Daniel Basili and Rick DeCaro were both arrested and charged with first degree murder in the conspiracy to kill Elizabeth. Police believe Basili was the hired hitman in Rick DeCaro's murderous plan. The prosecution believed that DeCaro had fallen in love with his mistress and needed Elizabeth out of the way. In this theory, the DeCaro found it less damaging to have his wife die as opposed to get divorced. Right. Um, and there was other things, too. If he divorced her... He wouldn't have his children with him anymore and to somebody that his children were almost like possessions. Right. And then everybody would find out about their financial problems and he would probably have to pay spousal and child support. Yep. Not only that, Rick DeCaro had recently taken out a $100,000 life insurance policy on his wife. That's always a key sign. Mm-hmm. Always a key sign. Phone evidence linked to Carol and Basili, showing they had frequent phone conversations, including the night of Elizabeth's murder while he was in Lake of the Ozarks with his children. Jeez. I mean, it's looking pretty open and shut, right? Oh, yeah. The prosecution announced they would seek the death penalty against Rick DeCaro and Daniel Basili. Daniel Basili and Rick DeCaro were tried separately in 1994, so originally they were going to be tried together. But Rick DeCaro could get a pretty good attorney. I think Daniel Basili had a public defender. DeCaro's attorney was successful in getting the trials separated, which kind of makes things a little more difficult because they can't necessarily use the evidence against Basili without a direct link now. You know what I mean? Where if they were tried together, the jury would hear all of the it. whole story. Um, and... The, his defense attorney was good. Much of the evidence was suppressed in Rick's case, but not in Daniel's. Daniel Basili was found guilty of first-degree murder and sentenced to death. He, became, he began his stay on Missouri's death row as Rick DeCaro went to trial. So, I mean, obviously, Daniel Basili did it for $15,000. That's what he did it for. So he deserved what he got. Yep. I don't feel sorry for him. Meanwhile, though, Rick goes on trial. 
Witnesses testified that the weekend Elizabeth was killed, the DeCarroll family was supposed to take a trip to Kansas City to visit a friend of Elizabeth's. This was something that was pre-planned months in advance. Rick decided he would rather take the kids on a trip himself, and so he planned his daddy's weekend for the first time ever. He would take the family's van, leaving Elizabeth the SUV. The SUV, which Rick took to work every day, was in great condition. I mean, he's a mechanic. But when Elizabeth said that she was going to maybe go to Kansas City on her own to see her friend, Rick told her no, that she she couldn't go to Kansas City, that he didn't think the SUV would make it. He was worried about her safety. He really wanted her to stay home. As a child of a mechanic... I could tell you that their vehicles are some of the best kept vehicles in the world. Right. And that's what everybody said. Like, there's no, there's no way, way in hell. That there's SUV no way in hell. That SUV would have made it to Kansas City. There's no way in hell. That was an excuse to get her to stay, stay. home. Oh, jeez. Right. And again, this is the first time he had ever taken the kids anywhere by himself. Elizabeth expressed to her sisters that she was scared in the couple days before her murder she felt like rick was up to something she knew something wasn't right more evidence was presented including the incident in which rick hit his wife with the van the eyewitness that could connect to basili and decaro the witnesses that placed basili in the suv just after elizabeth's murder and the witness that led police to discover the suv in basili's possession Elizabeth's family testified that the family dog, Ozzy, was loud and barked at everyone. Rick had never taken Ozzy anywhere before. So why did he take Ozzy on vacation with him and the kids? Right? Oh, it's just all, I mean, it's all adding up. The thought was that he did this so the hitman would have a chance. A clean. Yeah. Wouldn't have an obstacle. Right. To kill Elizabeth. The DeCaro children also testified. Now, this is where it's sad to me because I feel like the DeCaro children were so in the middle. Right. Um, so one of the little girls testified that it was her idea to bring Ozzy that day, that she wanted to bring her dog. Their friends who had been driven home in the carpool by Rick DeCaro said that that was the first time Rick had ever driven the carpool. They were really surprised to see him and to see Ozzy in the van because Ozzy usually didn't go on car rides with the family at all. The defense also presented a note left the morning of Elizabeth's murder inside Rick's lunchbox. It was from Elizabeth and it read, quote, Looking forward to really starting over and loving again, one day at a time, end quote. So that was, I guess, supposed to prove that their marriage was okay? I guess. I mean, I don't, I don't really I mean, was it think written? that is that, you know, convincing. It's not like, I mean, it was proven that it was Elizabeth's handwriting, right? Yes. Like, so. But her like, family said, like. That doesn't surprise me. She wanted to work on her marriage. Right. Like, like, that's what it sounds like to me is that, no, like, that's not a marriage that's stable. That's a marriage that's being worked on. Right. And she wasn't, like, going to leave him. She wanted to be with him. They already knew that. Much to the shock of Elizabeth's family, in September of 94, Richard Rick DeCaro was found not guilty of murdering his wife. Tears erupted in the courtroom. 
The jury foreman stated that the state failed to prove their case beyond a reasonable doubt. And I'm going to read you a quote from Melanie, one of Elizabeth's sisters. She said, quote, how could they say he is not guilty? End quote. It was just shock. They couldn't believe yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, that's shocking to me. Like, how the hell do you get all that evidence? And it's like, how the hell does one jury say, yeah, the guy killed her? Right. With, I'm guessing, like, I'm guessing there wasn't a lot of evidence that he killed her, except for, like, the, you know, car in the chop shop and stuff like that. I think they may have found, I don't know this for sure, so don't quote me because I've been reading this book for like a month. So sometimes the stuff runs together. But I think they may have found one of Basili's hairs okay. or something. But regardless, like, I think it's all about what money could buy. Because he had an attorney that got a lot of things suppressed that Basili's attorney didn't. Right. You know, and I have no doubts Basili's guilty. Right. But I think Rick DeCarroll I think Rick's too. fucking guilty too. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like he had gotten away with murder. And now he was determined to get custody of his children back. And so this just this nightmare just kept getting worse for Elizabeth's family. But that's not where it ends. Now, normally, if you try somebody, that's it. You can't try them again. That's double jeopardy. But this was a little bit different. In 1995, the United States of America filed federal charges against both Daniel Basili and Rick DeCaro. These charges included use of the mail or facilities in interstate commerce with intent to commit murder for hire. The defense for both Basili and DeCaro immediately filed an objection saying the federal prosecution violated their rights because it constituted double jeopardy. No, 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 no. You were getting, you were tried for murder. This is just because you fucked and used, like, you used the mail system. And they asked the federal court to separate the trials, just like Missouri did. But the federal courts did not grant any of these motions. Good. The motion to dismiss was denied, and the motion to separate was denied. Good. This time, Basili and DeCaro were tried together, and the jury heard all of the evidence against both suspects. The witnesses presented the full story of how DeCaro and Basili became involved with each other, the evidence suggesting this murder-for-hire plot, the false insurance claims filed through the United States Postal Service, and the use of federal facilities in the plot to commit fraud and murder. So after the murder, which was supposed to, I guess, look like a staged robbery, Rick DeCarroll filed insurance claims on his wife and also items that were, you know, stolen from their home. And stolen is in quotes because they found some of those things in, in Daniel Basili's possession. Right. Both Basili and DeCarroll were found guilty on all charges and they were both sentenced to life in prison without parole. For like one time, thank you, federal government. Right. Now... A lot of people is very controversial because there's a lot of people that say that they think the government that gives the government too much power. Why? Because a lot of people do see it as double jeopardy. I don't see it though. Because like I he see, basically it... got tried for murder twice. He got tried for murder in the state of Missouri, and he got charged for using a federal facility in like for murder for, for hire. murder for hire. I'm sorry. 
murder. Federal crime to commit, like, for murder for hire. I don't see it. I understand the confusion. But what I will tell you is during the appeals process, the, you know, they've both obviously appealed. They said they were subject to double jeopardy. And the appeal was denied. I'm going to read you a quote directly from the decision on the appeal. It has long been the law under doctrine known as dual sovereignty that the federal prosecution following state prosecution of the same person for the same acts does not violate the defendant's criminal rights, end quote. So basically they're saying, you know, there's dual sovereignty. We can do that. Oh, just because just because the state is letting you go doesn't mean that federal is going to let you go for it. Right. You committed at least part of this using a federal facility. Right. So we can charge you if we want. Um, there is an old GoFundMe. It's probably it's at least 10 years, if not longer, from Anthony DeCaro, who from everything I can tell, there's a lot of people on there that say, oh, this is his kid with his mistress. But I don't think it is because when I when I read her obituary, she did have a son named Tony. So it leads me to believe this was her and Rick's child. But he was basically campaigning to get his dad out. They maintained a relationship. Her children did. Now, I don't know if they still do to this day. Like I said, right. this is a GoFundMe that's like 10 years old. Right. Um. You know, but it seems like at least... Maybe at some point some of the kids have still maintained their relationship with him and maybe aren't really 100% sure what happened. Right. You know, it, they're they're just caught in the middle. That's who you got to feel sorry for. Yeah. They're caught in the middle. They were raised by their mom's sister, who obviously believes their dad is guilty, you know, but they did allow the kids to visit him and call him and do that kind of thing. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just, you got to feel sorry for those yeah. kids. They were put in a really crappy yep. spot. Um, to this day, Rick DeCaro, all his appeals have been denied and he remains in federal prison. He's now 61. Daniel Basili was executed by the state of Missouri for this murder. Elizabeth's brother told the media, quote, this does not bring closure because we will never have closure. This is, however, the penalty the system has chosen, end quote. And I think that wraps it up. You know, like, it's not going to bring anybody back. No. It's not going to fix it. No. But this is what he was sentenced to. This is what should happen. Yep. That's a fucked up story. Yeah. Told you there was a twist. You didn't see that federal prosecution Mm-mm. twist coming, did you? No. I didn't see them finding him not guilty in the state of Missouri. They had to have suppressed... A shit ton. Yeah. I mean, probably like finding the car in Basili's possession. They probably got that. Because yeah. why would that have anything to do with Rick? Right. All the evidence they would have to have would have to be directly linked to Rick. And right. that would make it hard. Yeah. So it was pretty much circumstantial evidence. Yep. I think he's guilty of sin. Oh, yeah. Like, he, this is definitely him paying for somebody. Oh, yeah. For sure. For sure. And Daniel Basili's just a fucking moron. Well, not anymore. Well, he was a fucking moron. Like, how are you going to think you're going to get away with murder? Really? How do any murderers think they're going to get away with it? I don't know. It just... 
just dumb. Yeah. If you guys want to see my list of references, um, you can head to www.themidwestcrimefiles.com. There's also some pictures and there is a book that I read on this book that are on this story rather that I will recommend to you guys. It's called A Killer Among Us by Charles Bosworth. It was also turned into a Lifetime movie, but that's not it's very away from the actual story. Okay. The Lifetime movie is but um, so check out uh, Charles Bosworth's book, A Killer Among Us, as well as my other references for on the page. You can like and follow us on Facebook. And if you feel so inclined to support our show, become a Patreon and you'll have access to the exclusive episode we just put out yesterday, as well as all the other content. Yep. Um, I've been using that P.O. box, so hopefully we'll have some new um She's been checking interesting out. things in there for you guys soon. She's been checking out like a hawk. So, but I think on that note, I think we're going to be done for this week, guys. We will see you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>